How many of you grew up, well, first of all, in America, I'm going to put it that way, and you went to a school, and every morning uh, the teacher would say something like, okay, everybody stand up, face the flag, and we're going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. How many, how many of you had that experience? Okay, probably, probably most of you. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's not required now in this state and uh, quite, quite a few states. But, but we stand up and we would re- repeat these words, I pledge allegiance to the flag. And so just for a moment, kind of get into what's being said here, into the words. The flag of the United States. Michael, I realize that you're from France, so you don't have to participate in this. Okay, but I've, <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And I hope, you know, that that kind of meant something to you. Just, just some kind of uh, fun facts. Uh, actually... The pledge was actually rolled out in 1892 at the World Fair in Chicago. And there had been other pledges before, but this is the final cut. It, it, it finally made it. Uh, it was actually the 400-year celebration of discovering America, and so they, they brought it out. Uh, and then in, in 1954, Congress added some words. They added the words, under God, in, in 1954. Now, when, when we think of, of the Pledge of Allegiance... It's really, it's inspirational, isn't it? I mean, it should be. If you're born in America, you kind of go, you know, every once in a while, um, when I'm at a place where they do the pledge, I kind of get a lump in my throat a little bit. I'm kind of like, I connect with it. Because I grew up in America, and I feel like America, it's not a perfect nation, but I feel like it's a place that's, that's blessed my life. So it's, it's inspirational to me. Well, the children of Israel um, had their own pledge. And we would call this, uh, actually Jews today even call it, this is called the Shema. These, these words were actually penned by Moses as he was hearing from God. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, um, Orthodox Jews actually around the world today will, will repeat this twice a day. This will be their prayer. And it's this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You're going to hear the word one a lot in this message today. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. So the pledge to us, that's inspirational, but this goes beyond that. This is foundational. This is foundational. This is for all people in, in that day before Christ, the, all the people that were serving Yahweh. This is our life, this prayer, and it meant something to them. It, it went beyond just getting kind of emotional. It was like, this is our life. He is our God. We are his people. And then along comes the Apostle Paul. Now, if there was ever a Jew of Jews, it was the Apostle Paul. And, uh, of course, he opposed Christ, and then he does complete about face, and he becomes one of the greatest Christ followers who ever lived. At some point in his journey, and we've been in the book of Ephesians for a while, as he's writing to the Ephesians, he, he writes these words, and it's kind of a, if I can put it this way, it's kind of a Christian Shema. It, it, it's kind of a pledge of allegiance if you will, for, for all Christ followers. And so he says it this way. In fact, why don't, why don't, let's all say it together out loud because I think it, it's, it's really worthy of repeating it out loud. Okay, so here we go. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Wow. So... One was said seven times. There's seven times that he goes, we're one. We're, we're one in the faith. We're one in the Lord. We're one in the baptism. And it's this idea that, 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 that God has brought us as a people together and that there is this pledge to God, that, that, that he is our foundation. Now, 
I want to talk about foundation for a moment because this is really what we're moving towards. And I want to ask this question, what is the foundation of your life built on today? And when I, when I ask that question, I mean this. Like, how are you making your decision? What informs you about how you're living your life, about your priorities, basically just about how, how you do life? Because, see, that's your foundation. Whatever your go-to is, like, oh, I have this dilemma in my life, or I have a really difficult decision to make in my life, or I'm tempted right now to do this, I know it's not good. So what is it that informs you? What is the foundation of your life? That's what we need to build our life on, a solid Solid foundation, because if you're just building your life on, I run people all, into people all the time, and they say, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, but then I see, and we've all been there at times, that the way they're living their life out is really not about the foundation of Christ. It's about, like, just what they think. A lot of people, they just live their life that way. Well, it's a little bit of Christianity, and it's a little bit of this other philosophy, and a little bit of what uh, Grandpa said, and you know, a little bit of horse sense here and there, and, and we just kind of throw it all together, and uh, that's how, how I live my life. That's fine until the storms of life come, until the fires, the literal earthquakes, and sometimes hurricanes of life come, and you're just getting beat down, and suddenly you feel like, wow, what happened to my life? I talk to people all the time who literally say, my life is in shambles. It is literally falling apart. And and I want to say, and I do say on many occasions, so tell me about your life. What is your life actually built on? One time Jesus was talking about this. You'll find this in Matthew chapter, actually chapters 5 through 7. And he's um, teaching. And he teaches just this huge body of work. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and he gets to the end of his teaching. And he's teaching about family, and he's talking about marriage, and he's talking about loving your enemies and how to have a good attitude and all these kind of things. And he comes to the very end, and he says this before he finishes. He says, so, if you take these words of mine and you put them into action, you will be like, and, and he uses this metaphor. He, he talks about, he says, you're going to be like a, uh, a house that is built on a rock. And when those storms come and the rain comes and the wind comes, you're going to be okay. You're going to be able to endure it. But if you don't, if you build your life on anything other than my truth, then you're going to be like the person who built their house on, what? Sand. Some of you know it. You grew up in Sunday school. You sang those songs. The little hand motions. Remember that? Um, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And, what, and so the sand is like all of the other stuff is, that is not from God. And, and, and the sand is what a lot of people, that's, that's, that's a picture of their life. And so we've got to build our life on a solid foundation. I actually saw this one time. It was the craziest thing. It was like right in front of me. I was a college student in Santa Cruz, and uh, there was a huge storm that came into Santa Cruz that year, just massive. Never seen anything like it. And so I, naturally, I went to the coast because I wanted to see how big the waves were. I wasn't going to surf. I just wanted to see what it would look like. And it was just this crazy storm. And I, as I was cruising along the coast, I came to this one place, and I noticed that there was probably a good 100 people that were all gathered around these two houses, and literally, one house was actually built in the sand, and a house in back of it, a little bit further back, had its foundation into the street, into something that was really solid. And the house that was built in the sand was being destroyed. The waves were up against it, and they were battering this house, and the people were just fascinated by it. In fact, everybody was standing there, and it was like, woo, wow, oh, as this house was literally being destroyed, piece by piece, boards were just flying off of it as the waves were battering this house. And I'll never forget the house that was it really deeply entrenched in the road, in the solid foundation. 
These people had a second deck, and they were up on this deck, and they were watching the other house drinking champagne and toasting each other, which I thought was kind of mean. But what you can say about them is at least they were wise enough to build a house that could withstand the storms. It was in a solid foundation. It's kind of a picture of what Jesus is talking about. What are you building the foundation of of your life on? If you have your Bibles, just for a moment, I'd like you to turn to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And um, this is another church that Paul writes to. Of course, Paul is a a missionary. He's a church planter. And he he writes these few words to them, and he's, he's talking about foundational things again. And he says this, beginning with verse 9. For we are co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, and it's as God's building. So then he says, you are God's building. By the grace God has given me, I, speaking of himself, laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building in it, or on it. But each one should build with care. And then he says in verse 11, no one could lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We sing that song, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That's exactly what what he's saying there. Now, all paths do not ultimately lead to God. Now, this right here, this statement right here, flies in the face of a culture that goes, how dare you? How dare you be so exclusive as to say that all paths don't ultimately lead to Christ? Um, my wife, Karen, and myself, and, and my son and, and his girlfriend, we re- recently went on a vacation uh, to Costa Rica. And, and almost any time before I go on a vacation, I go out and I buy books. Um, and so I went to my favorite bookstore, Bookstar, over in Point Loma. By the way, did you know that bookstores are closing left and right? And it just breaks my heart, man. I love books. But anyway, I went in there, and I bought this one book that really captured my attention because I like to read, you know, surprise, surprise books about surfing. And um, this, but I like to read books about somebody's personal story. And, and I, the title of this book sort of captured my imagination. It was called West of Jesus. West of Jesus. And I went, oh, this sounds pretty interesting. So I grabbed the book and I took it with me on vacation. And I discovered that this guy was on this spiritual journey through surfing. And he was looking and he was exploring different world religions. He was exploring spirituality uh, and metaphysical things. And he was a very bright guy, and he had some really fun stories. But I have to tell you, by the time I got to about the last three chapters, I was really, really kind of depressed. Because he explored everything, but the one thing that he seemed to just not consider was Christianity. All the Eastern religions and all the other religions. I mean, basically, Christianity got the short shift on this, in this book. And then he comes to the end of the book, and he just leaves you kind of in this agnostic place where he's like, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm like, really? I read this entire book for you to tell me that you don't know. You've explored everything, and, you've come, and, you, and, and you don't know. Now, let me just say this, I, I, just so I don't sound like some kind of a fundamentalist up here. All right. I wish, like if I got to be the master of the universe... I actually wish that all paths did lead to God. I really wish that that was true. Um, but that's not what the Bible says. And, and, and that's not what Christ says. When Paul said, he goes, look at one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And that's it. Yeah, how many of you have seen the bumper sticker around? A lot of my neighbors have. It says, Coexist. Now, I don't have, actually, I don't have any problem with that bumper sticker. It has, you know, it has the cross for Christianity, and it has a lot of symbols from the other 
major faith systems and things like that. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I just happen to believe, because I'm a Bible-believing guy, that Jesus called it out and, and, and he said, this is just the way it is. As a matter of fact, this is what Jesus said. So, lest, so you're here today and you're sort of checking out Christianity. Don't get mad at me when I say this, because I didn't say it. All right? I don't know why. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody come up to me and they'll get in my face and they're all angry and they, you can't say that. And I'll go, well, actually, I didn't. Jesus actually said it. So why are you mad at me? So here's what Jesus says. So Jesus is being battered with these questions, chapter, uh, chapter 14 of the book of John. And, and the answer is, is they're, co- they're really coming at him. They say, who do you say you are? And he's already told them, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. He's like told them over and over again. And he goes, finally, he goes, look, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. You kidding, Jesus? You can't say that. This is 2018. What do you, you can't make that statement. That's politically, like, bad. Not correct. He says, no one comes to the Father, and he says, except through me. Now, you know, if anybody else had made that statement, whoever, any great leader or person who led a religion or whatever, you would, a lot of us would probably go, well, that's kind of ridiculous. But this particular leader actually died and called it before he died and said, I'm going to lay my life down. You can't take it from me. I'm, I'm purposely laying it down. And by the way, I'm going to come back three days later, and it happens I think he has some credentials there to actually to, to make that statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, nobody comes except through me. Later on, right before he goes to the cross, this is what Jesus said. And he's praying. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. And in this prayer, and this is an anguishing prayer if you, if you read about it, he says, my father, my prayer is not for them alone. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about his disciples that are right there. He says, I pray also for those who will believe. That's me. That's you down in the future, in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Every once in a while, I like to throw out a, a read the Bible challenge, and this is one of those times. Now, here, and here's why I have, I have a, a great purpose behind this. A lot of you uh, have read the Bible some, and you're somewhat familiar with it, but you know just enough of the Bible to be dangerous. Seriously. And so when somebody comes to you and they misquote what Jesus said, or, or, or they just they go, well, he, he didn't mean it that way, because maybe you haven't read the book of John, or you have, maybe you've read it once or twice, here's what I want you to do. Here's, here's my challenge to you. I would like in the next 21 days, because there's 21 chapters in the book of John, I would like in the next 21 days for you to read one chapter a day of that book. Now, here's what I love about John. If, you, if, you know, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We call that the Synoptic Gospels. It's kind of a lot of the same stories told by the disciples. But the book of John is a little different than that. John gives us inside kind of almost secret conversations that are not recorded by the other disciples. And you're going you're to hear Jesus come out and say stuff that might really surprise you. In fact, it might even offend you. Because you didn't know that he actually said that. Because I, I talk to people all the time, and they're like, well, no, no, I think Jesus is kind of groovy, man. I mean, I think he's great. He was a great teacher. He was a great philosopher. Um, he was a great moralist. He was inspiring. Um, and I'll say, yeah, but that's not what he said about himself. And well, what do you say? Well, you need to read the book of John. Because I, I, you know, I just want you to read the book of John. 
Because you're going to discover that he says, I'm God, I'm the Son of God, that you can't come to God except through me. And he makes all those kind of statements. And so I, I just, here's why, once you read the book, you're guilty of, of if, if you say anything other than that, then you've got to deal with that. It's between you and God, okay? Because you're going to misrepresent it if you say anything other than what Jesus said. And I don't know about you, I do not want to stand before Jesus one day and say, I totally misquoted you, misrepresented you, and I said things about you that were actually what you said. I'll move on. <laughs> so God wants us to use, in, in all of this, God has a mission for us, by the way. So um, we have this foundation. We're, if, hopefully God wants us to have our life based on our relationship with him. And, and he, wants to, he wants to use us. We talk about this all the time. Next week, we're going to talk about it even more. But, but God wants to use our lives for his grand purpose, for his project, if I can, if I can put it that way. Um, there's, um, I'm a lot, how many of you have been involved in a great project? It, like, you, you believed in the project, right? Maybe it was something, it was a work project, or it was a nonprofit thing that was going to benefit a lot of people. How many of you have done it? Yeah, and, and when you come to the end of the project, you feel good about it. You're like, man, that, that was great. I, I'm glad that I was a part of that project. And you contributed, maybe you sacrificed, maybe you used your own personal finances. I'm thinking of one, and this is going to sound really trivial when I say it, but I have a point in it. So there's a, there's a guy named Kelly Slater who is an 11-time world champion, surfing world champion, of, and he's amazing. He's considered by Biddy to be the greatest surfer who ever lived. And Kelly Slater had a dream. And his dream was to build the greatest wave pool in the world, the greatest wave pool that had ever been built. And so he began to cast vision for this dream, and it was going to cost millions of dollars. And it was going to take all kinds of people to get behind it and make this thing happen. Well, the, the, the dream became a reality a, a couple of years ago, maybe about a year and a half ago. In fact, one of the guys that goes to this campus was over there and, and driving three or four hours to this place called Lemoore, California, where the big wave pool is, to be a part of this. And when it was, he was one of those people that went, wow, that's unbelievable. So he's created this great thing. And, and you know, I'm a surfer, so I kind of go, that's cool. I, I think that's, that's really cool. However, in light of what God wants to do, it's nothing. You see, God wants to use you and I to complete the greatest, be a part of the greatest project that there ever was and ever will be. And that is to rescue planet Earth. That is for you and I to go out and to show people who God is, to help people to connect God, to know Jesus to, to know his ways. How many of you think the world might be in a little bit of trouble right now? I would think so, all right? And, and, and so God wants to use us, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our personality. And he says, I'd like you to be a part of the greatest project that there ever was to, to reach the world. I, I, I like the way that Eugene Peterson in the message translation uh, says these two verses that we read earlier. Look at the way he says it. He says, you were all called to travel on the same road. In the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly, and everything you are and think and do is permeated, where there's that word again, oneness. I want you to be one. Because when you and I unify, when we come together and we say, you know, there's some things we may not always agree on, but we can agree on this one thing, that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and that he's our Lord and he's our Savior. And we want to bring and usher in the kingdom of God according to his way. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, this is Paul begins to expand on this thing about how he's going to use you and I. And I, when I look at this, I see this campus. 
and I see a lot of churches, but I see this campus in particular where he says there's different kinds of gifts. And I look around this campus and I see some of you are gifted in so many different ways. He says, but the same spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service. And I see people that are committed to service, to serving our community. And I love that you love our community and and, and you're serving in so many different ways. But the same Lord. There's different kinds of workings, but all of them in everyone is at the same, all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So God's behind this. He's driving this. He's going, look, folks, I came into this world on a mission to die on a cross and die for your sins, and then I handed it off to you. And so all these years later, here you are, here I am, to try to rescue our communities, to try to, and we talk about this all the time, when we see kids that are enslaved, um, in, in trafficking, when we see communities that are impoverished, like some of the communities we're trying to reach at Hope Center over in East County, when we see refugees that are coming over and, and it just seems like they've just been dropped in, on, in our nation and like, okay, what are you going to do? And we're, we're, we come right beside them. We say, we, we want to help you. We want to give you some help and some direction in, in your life. That's, that's something I can get behind. That's something I can believe in. And I think you can too. But here's the most important part of it. If you believe in it, that's great. If you're behind it, wonderful. But God wants to have a literal, personal relationship with us. Because otherwise, at some point, you're just going to get tired. At some point, you're going to go, this whole church thing and all this spiritual stuff, I mean, unless you are deeply connecting with God, there's going to come some point in time where you're just going to go, ah, I, I don't know, I'm just, it's, I'm getting kind of tired. This is what keeps us going being connected to God, having a relationship with Jesus. And if, and if you're here this morning and you're going, that kind of describes me a little bit. Maybe what you need to do is reconnect in a deeper way with Jesus, with his mission, and realize that he personally wants not only to know you, but he wants you to get on board with what he wants to do today. Get on board with the great, great projects that, that he has for us. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. So I want to leave you with these questions and we're going to pray. How do I build this foundation that we've been talking about? Like, how do you build that? Well, the first thing, and this is so important to the mission of God, we need to be unified. Like, we need to be on the same page, moving in the same direction. Now, we're not all, you know, we're all different. We all have our different ideas and, and uh, philosophies, and, and some of us don't always agree on everything. So let me, let me um, talk about this, this church first, and then I'm going to expand out a little bit. So in, in this church, one of the things we have is we have life groups. And one of the things that we love about life groups is not only do you get to know people in the group, um, they help you grow your faith, and you help them grow their faith. And I really hope that next week when we have our life group fair that you'll jump in. If you've never done this before, it's, it'll, it'll just light a fire under your faith. It really will. It'll really help you, and it'll help this church to unify we'll realize that we're not all that different. We're actually, we have way more in common than you could ever, ever imagine. So that's this body, but this is just one body. This is Pacific Beach in San Diego, and there are churches all over the place around here. And so now I'm thinking about my Catholic brothers over at St. Bridget's, and I'm thinking about my, my, my Lutheran brothers and sisters, and I'm thinking about the Episcopal ones, and about the Nazarene ones, and about the Baptist ones, and you name it, on and on and on. Well, what about them? So let me give you Maybe an example that'll, that'll help you understand how we can all be unified, even though there's different nuances in our faith. 
So I want you to visualize for a moment, close your eyes, and I want you to visualize a trampoline, okay? Just a rectangular, old-school trampoline. And so I want you to say, what is, how does that trampoline work? Well, the, it's, got, it's got four corners to it, and those corners have to be anchored into the ground for that trampoline to work. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. So those four corners are like the foundations of our faith. When I look across at our Catholic brothers and our Lutheran brothers and everybody else and sisters, you know, there's these essentials that we agree on. What do we agree on? We, we agree that when Jesus said, I'm the only way, that we, act, we agree on that. We agree that when Jesus died for the sins of the world and that we need to come through Christ and receive salvation through him, we, we, all, we all agree on that. I mean, th- there's, there's a lot of that We believe that the Bible is, is, is true. We believe it's, it's God's word. We, we can all agree on that. So that's, that's the essential. That's the foundational thing. Is, and so now I want you to think about the center of the trampoline. What do you do on the trampoline? Jump around and have fun, right? Do flips and all kinds of stuff. So that's where we all get to have our differences of opinion. All the little nuances, you know. Uh, the church down there, they do communion every week, and they think you should do communion every, every week. Church over here says, well, um, we do liturgy, and so we actually read our prayers. Another church says, well, we don't do it that way. The church over here says, well, you know, we believe when you worship, man, you should really worship loud, and so we do it that way. And another church goes, we do it very quietly. Isn't it funny, I, it, the thing that just galls me as a pastor is when churches split over stupid stuff like that. That we, can, we should all be unified in the essential. And then the rest of it is just the little nuances of, of the faith, you know. One church says that Adam and Eve, you know, it was a banana. Another church says it was an avocado. I go with avocado personally. But, you know, just, just little nuances of, of, of the faith. So we need to pursue unity with Christ followers, because that makes us strong. See, when the world looks at us, and they say that we're unified, and we say, you know, we say a lot of stuff, don't we? We say well, we believe in the Bible, we believe the mission of Jesus, we believe that Jesus wants to change the, the world, change people's lives personally, we, we believe in that. But if we're not unified, that doesn't look very good. And then we need to pursue the mission of building God's kingdom together. When we were talking about that, we, we need to do it together, we need, we need to be unified. And then we need to pursue the Father who loves us no, so much more than you and I could, could ever know. So let's pray. Let's bow your heads with me if you would. Lord, Father God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus into this world on a mission. It was really a search and rescue mission to find a humanity that was broken, wandering, trying to find life, but usually in all the wrong places. And that you came to us and said, more than anything else, you're forgiven. I love you. I forgive you. And so here we are today. And we look at a world that is still very broken. And even some of our lives may be broken. And today, Lord, we we make a pledge of allegiance to your ways, that you are who you said you are, Jesus, that you are the way and the truth and the life, and that there is no other way to heaven apart from you. And if there's somebody here today who doesn't know that or struggles with that, I pray that you just make it clear to them. I I, I just pray that as we walk out of here this morning, that we will be encouraged about what we're building our life on, God, if, if we can say this morning, you know, I, I'm building my life on a lot of things, but I don't know if, if God's that much of it, that this morning we'll be, renew our commitment to you. 
and say, no, I, I, I'm going to start reading that Bible. I'm going to start getting the Word of God inside of me. I want to build my life on the principles and the ways of God. So help us to that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys stand? I know it's kind of hot in here. I'm sweating. We have some, uh, some goodies for you outside. If you're new to our church, one of the things that we do is we always have a halftime, and it's one of the best things that we do. We just get to hang out. So there's all kinds of goodies out there. I um, hope that you guys have uh, just, just a wonderful rest of the day and rest of the week. Please come back next week for our life group fair. Okay? God bless you.